I felt like the Lord uh, had a word for us today, but I feel like that uh, Melissa Wright is supposed to share it, and so I'm just going to ask her to come on up. She doesn't really need an introduction, but I just want to ask her to come up, and we just want to receive what the Lord has for us through her today. Good morning. Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you have been so very present in this place this morning. And Father, not just here, but I just, I just have confirmation in my spirit that your spirit is just present all over, not only this region, but this country as people are tuning in to truly worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. Lord, I just pray this morning that your word goes forth with a Holy Spirit anointing, Father. And so, Jesus, I just humble myself, and I hide behind your cross, Lord, that anything that would come forth from this moment on not be of me, but totally of you. Jesus, will you open every ear, every mind, and every heart that hears this word, Father, to grab hold of your truth, and that the seed find good soil and grow good root. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, will you turn to 2 Corinthians 5? This morning, I just know the Lord had put on my heart to share a word, and I actually tried to do a little bargaining with God, which is never successful on my end. I don't know how well you guys bargain or argue with the Lord, but it never really works out to my advantage. But I felt like I wanted to share something different because I'd shared this in... Monday morning prayer call, and I'd even shared it a little bit with our ladies' discipleship and prayer group, and so I thought it would be nice to share a, a new word, a different word, but the Lord confirmed this word three separate times once he brought it to my heart, and so I knew I had to share this word this morning. In 2 Corinthians 5, if we start with verse 10, let's just read a few verses here. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not, again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The word of the Lord. And so this morning, I just want to focus on a few of these verses that jumped out. They jumped out on the page to me. How many of you know that you can read through the Bible hundreds of times and sometime you pick it up and the passage that you've read over and over can take a whole new meaning? Well, in this time of quarantine, as I was reading through the New Testament, this chapter came alive to me some weeks ago. And it was like the Lord highlighted these particular verses I want to talk about this morning. First, in verse 10, we see that from we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. It doesn't say that some of us will stand before him. It says that all of us will stand before the judgment seat. And we have to make account for what we've done in that moment. I don't believe that we get to pull our people with us. I think we stand alone. I think that every person has to make that account. If we jump to verse 15, we see that he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. We are no longer to be living our lives for us, but we're to live for him. What does that really look like? Well, that really looks like we have to die to ourself and our selfishness and our pride, and our self-righteousness. And we have to come alive to a life lived solely for Jesus. I think that in the American church, we have cheapened grace. I think that we have somehow through the years watered down the gospel and equated it to praying a simple prayer one time and then go back and live your life the way you want to. But that is not what the gospel is. And that is not what this verse says. And we're going to take the whole gospel, the fullness of Christ, every jot, every tittle from the word one to the last and everything in between is the truth of God's word. And what this word says is once we commit to a relationship with the Savior, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live a life for him. That could never be equated to cheap grace. And it could never be equated to one prayer and back to your old life. Because if we look at verse 17, we are a new creature in Christ. The old things have to pass away. And the new things must come. You see, the old habits of Melissa cannot be part of this Melissa once I've entered into right relationship with Jesus. When I have declared that he is my Savior, he is my Redeemer, I have died to myself, I must become new because the old way I lived was for me. But the Word says I now need to live for him in his kingdom. And so I can't be the old vestige of me. But some moments... 
the old me comes creeping back in. And it's subtle. Those old vestiges of myself creep in in the moments when I'm tired and I'm weak and I'm compromised and I'm not actively taking every thought captive and all of a sudden I feel and hear things that are not of Christ but of the old me. And I get my feelings hurt. And when I get my feelings hurt, I nurse that wound like I own it and it's a possession. And that wound and that hurt becomes a fence. And I've talked about this before. If I leave that offense undealt with, if I don't see that old vestige, that old habit of me, and put that thing to death and live for Jesus, that offense in one area becomes offense in every area of my life. And now I'm offended all the time by everyone at any moment. And I'm no longer living a life for Christ, but I'm living a life for me. And it gains and prospers no one. You see, we have to be willing to repent. And not just one time at an altar of prayer, but daily and often and quickly. In fact, as we grow in maturity toward the fullness of Christ, we cannot be slow to repentance. I believe that repentance must come quicker and quicker and quicker as part of our maturity in Christ Jesus. Because that is part of being a new creature. And so this morning, if you find yourselves remembering that you're living an old vestige of you, let's ask Jesus to make us a new creature again. Let's jump to verse 20, which is the crux of the whole message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? Well, if you go to Google, ever faithful, ever trusty, as long as your internet's running, Google defines ambassador as an official representative of a foreign country or a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity. And in this verse, the word of God is calling us ambassadors for Christ, representatives of Jesus and his kingdom, promoters of the specific activity of the gospel of Jesus. It doesn't say that some of us, it says we are. In fact, in Philippians 3.20, the word of God says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship really is no longer of this world. It's not this earth. Our citizenship is heaven, says the word of God. We're not ambassadors just for Christ. We're ambassadors of his kingdom, of his heaven, and it's not a choice. It is who we are if we enter into right relationship with him. If he is our savior, this is what we become, a new creature in him, representing him and his kingdom. 
I want to tell you a story of the least visited country in the world. The least visited country in the world is called Tuvalu. Tuvalu is a country in Polynesia. It's located in the Pacific Ocean. Tuvalu rests as an island about midway between Hawaii and Australia. Now that's the truth. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Tuvalu that's the truth. But I want to put in a fictitious story, fictitious story about Tuvalu and an ambassador from Tuvalu. <clears throat> if Tuvalu is the least visited country in the world, it probably does not thrive on tourism. People don't want to go there. I'll tell you why in a minute. But Tuvalu might want to increase visitation to their country. So they have extended an ambassador to the rest of the world. And the ambassador of Tuvalu has come to Louisville to tell all of us in Louisville and the surrounding areas how wonderful the country of Tuvalu is to encourage us to come and visit. It's a far way away, so we're really going to have to be convinced, right, that Tuvalu is a place we want to visit. But the ambassador is rude. Not only does he speak poor English to us, but he's really a jerk. He's nasty and rude and, quite frankly, does not represent his country well. And so all of us who have heard the ambassador of Tuvalu have decided corporately and individually, we have no interest in visiting this country if this is how the people of Tuvalu act. Do you ever wonder how well we represent the country and the king in which we are citizens of? Now, Tuvalu, this is the truth, is only 26 kilometers in total circumference. That's 10 miles. And Tuvalu is a shrinking country. Tuvalu's island is shrinking because the polar ice caps are melting and the ocean level is rising and it's swallowing up their land. You can argue uh, all of the global warming business, and I'm not here to pitch anything, but I'm here to tell you this. The people of Tuvalu are losing their land and homes every single year. So we can talk about it in theory, but they actually live it in reality. The population of Tuvalu is 11,192 people. The least visited country in the world has less than 12,000 people, 10 miles, and their religion of their state of their country is Christianity. They tout Jesus as their savior. They're a very communal people. They move from house to house. In fact, when one person's home is destroyed because of the water that has encroached upon their land and their property, they live with another people. In fact, the families are so intertwined and communal that it's not unheard of for people to sleep at one house one night and the next house the next because they are family. You see, here at River City Hope, we aren't just a church. We're not just a congregation. We're not just a body. We're a family. We love each other. We miss each other in this time of quarantine. 
We are so looking forward to the doors opening that we can come in here and praise and worship and pray and intercede together because we're family. You see, the Lord created us to be a communal people, and he wants us to be family to one another. But he also wants us to remember who we represent. We don't just represent River City. We don't just represent this community. We don't just represent Louisville. We don't even really represent the United States of America. We represent Jesus Christ, his whole gospel, and his entire kingdom. How many times do we agree with part of it and only want to represent that one thing? What if the ambassador of Tuvalu only wanted to represent the beautiful parts of the island but not talk about the fact that it's shrinking? What if they wanted to sell you a plot of land for you to build a house but they misrepresented the fact that that plot of land would be underwater next year? You see, you cannot represent a part of the kingdom, a part of the gospel, a part of Jesus Christ, your Redeemer, and not the wholeness of it. I'm not even preaching or arguing denominationalism or any specific ism, to be truthful. I'm just saying that sometimes we like some parts a lot better than we like other parts. You see, we want to talk about how loving he is and how kind he is and how good he is and how well he provides, but we don't talk about what happens when he corrects us because he's loving enough to correct us like a good father and how we repent before that good father day after day so that we can stay dead to ourselves, so that we don't come alive and live a life for us, so that we're a new creature in Christ. Why? Because one day we have to stand before the judge and make account of the life we lived, and not just us, but the people around us. And are we representing the wholeness of the gospel, the wholeness of Christ and his kingdom well enough that the people around us would want to come to him? Or are we just... Marketing the parts we think are good. Or touting the parts we think are easy. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, talks again about how important it is that we understand this ambassadorship. You see, Paul said, and I and pray. He asked the church of, of Ephesus and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I find this verse interesting because Paul did not seem to lack boldness, in my opinion. The guy seemed to be fearless, didn't he? I mean, he had courage enough to stand up and preach every time they told him not to. He'd go back and do it again, even though he'd get whipped, even though he'd get rotted, even though he was stoned. The guy never stopped preaching the gospel with boldness. And yet here he is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, and he says, hey, Pray on my behalf 
that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. I can't imagine that Paul had a problem finding words, but yet here he is asking that we pray for him that he may give utterance every time he opened his mouth to make known with boldness the mysteries of the gospel. Boldness. How many of us lack that? How many of us do not testify or tell people that we are ambassadors of Jesus and his kingdom because we lack boldness and courage? How many of us fail to be ambassadors for Jesus or well, do it well, because we can't seem to find the word? But yet this thing is full of words. And the word says that if we fail to know what word to say, the Holy Spirit will give us a word. How well do we represent our Christ and his kingdom? If you were the only believer ambassador, if you were the only ambassador of Christ completely left on the planet, how many people would want to know him? If there was no fellowship, if there was no church body, and the world was relegated to you being the only representative of Jesus, how many people would want to know Jesus because of the life that you live? And you say, well, that's, that's not the case, Melissa. Don't be unrealistic. There's a bunch of believers. There's a bunch of ambassadors for Christ. Yeah, but how many are in your workplace? How many is in your family? How many ambassadors for Christ are in your neighborhood? And you know, some people say they're believers and ambassadors for Christ, and they don't represent him at all. How well do you represent Jesus in your job, in your family, in your community? You see, I'm convinced that even... Our churches need good ambassadors. I'm convinced that even our prayer meetings need better ambassadors. I'm convinced that many of us, including myself, need to repent because we have represented Jesus and his kingdom poorly or partially. We've only touted what seems easy and what seems polite Because the message of the cross is brutal, isn't it? The message of the blood is messy. Because we've allowed sin to mess up our lives. And Jesus comes in with this beautiful love that covers it all, purifies it all, and completely wipes it away. And we cheapen that with a prayer. And you can just go back and live your life. We cheapen it 
I think the price that was paid was much too high to cheapen it with a lie or to cheapen it with a partial truth. I think this morning we need to know that God bankrupted all of heaven and he paid the highest price. There's none higher. And he did it because he does love you. And he did it because one day he knew you'd have to stand in front of him and make an account. And he wants you to say, I made some mistakes, but Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my advocate. His blood has covered me. In fact, I'm not sure you're going to have to say much. I think the blood's going to do all the talking for you when you make account and you stand in front of the Lord. I think Jesus is going to be like, it's okay, Dad. This one's mine. This one's mine. I gave everything I had for that one. How can we cheapen that? How can we say that we live a life for him and he lives through us and then we allow old habits and nasty failures of our lives to keep rearing their ugly head and coming alive because we don't allow the Lord to make us new creatures? It cheapens that. How is it that we think other Christians should be ambassadors for Jesus and we criticize the job they do? but we don't do it at all. And so this morning, I'm sharing a word with you that pierced my heart and convicted me. Because some days, I feel like, yeah, I'm good. I'm a good ambassador. And some days, I fall so short. And I'm so embarrassed that if the truth was told, I don't even want some people some days to know who I represent. And I'm not proud of that, but I'm so repentant of it. And I declare to the Lord in front of you, I want nothing more than to represent you well with excellence every day, every moment, moment by moment. Philippians 1 27 gives us this admonishment only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent I may hear of you and that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel if you hear nothing else this morning, know that you have an obligation through the word of God to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of this gospel. You are representing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And if you think no one's watching, you couldn't be more wrong. The eyes are on you everywhere eyes you know and eyes you don't people you think are watching and people that act like they aren't they're watching you they're listening to you they're dying for someone to get it right because if you can represent Jesus well they have hope and you better give testament of the hope that lies within you and you say well I'm not bold pray for boldness I don't have the word. Pray that the Lord would give you utterance. He'll do it by his Holy Spirit. He'll never fail you.
You say, I'm not an evangelist. I once said that too. But you can live your life in such a way that you represent the king and the kingdom well. You can speak words that represent the king and the kingdom well. You can apply actions to your life that represent the king and the kingdom well. And so this morning, I want us to pray together. Do you know the Lord reminded, Brady, would you do something for me? You know, I, I, the Lord reminded me of something this morning. And the truth is, nothing that has been shared here out of this word is new information. This is not a word you do not know. It's a reminder of who you are. It's a purpose that God has given you. It's another chance to wake up today and get it right. It's an invitation to wake up tomorrow and do the same thing. And this morning in our precious, precious 930 prayer time, that time is so precious to me. I heard the Lord say, I will not be bound by walls. I will not be bound by distance. My spirit is not bound within a group or a building or a place. My spirit is not bound by a virus. I will not be bound by a pandemic. Jesus says, I will not be the God of possibilities when nothing is impossible with me. That's what he said this morning. And so I prayed for you, for every one of you watching on this live stream, for every one of you that come and watch it later, I've prayed for you. For every one of our RCH family at home and everyone who's ever walked through the doors. This morning we prayed for you because the Lord of creation reminded us he is bound by nothing. And he wants and is coming into your homes. He wants to come into your workplace. And he wants to inhabit your house. He wants to make it a house of prayer and a house of worship. He wants to make it a house of his word. And he will not be bound. And I prayed for everyone in this room, though we may be small in numbers, we're mighty and we're sold out. We're sold out. We're sold out on one thing, Jesus, his gospel, and his kingdom. I don't think there's one person in this room that wouldn't give their life for it. But sometimes we don't stay dead to ourselves. And we forget that we're new creatures. And our ambassadorship is poor. Sometimes, even though we're willing to die for this thing, we don't represent him as well as we should. And so this morning, I want us to pray a deep prayer of repentance for the times we failed and failed to notice it. And for the times that we haven't let him make us new. And that he would do that this morning, right where you are, because he's not bound. He's not just bound here. Oh, he is here. He is here. I think he met us at the door, and then he just increased. But he is there. He's in E-Town, 
and Shelbyville and Louisville and Topeka, Kansas City, and all over where you're watching from. He will not be bound. So let him in. Invite him deeper. Ask him to change the things that came alive that need to be made new again in Christ and repent for the moments when you didn't represent him well. And ask for boldness and courage and utterance that you will represent him better. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning I am so keenly aware that I have not kept this word, but I'm also so keenly aware of your deep forgiveness in the second, third, fourth, and fifth chance that you give us. And so this morning, I repent, Father, for allowing the old Melissa and those habits to come alive when really I'm living this life for you, Jesus. I'm living this life for you, Jesus. And so I ask that you just put those things to death. I repent of hurt feeling. I repent of unforgiveness. I repent of offense. And make me a new creature. Wash me. Purify me. Cleanse me new. And Father, how many times do we pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we fail to remove us? We're asking you to fill a full vessel, and we're full of ourselves, but not this morning. This morning we say, Lord, we decrease. We humble ourselves. We put ourselves to death, and we just remove it and say we are empty Now will you fill us? We don't want anybody to look at us and see us. I don't want anybody to know Melissa. I want everybody to see Jesus. To know Holy Spirit. To know Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so, Jesus, fill me fresh and new. Fill us with a collective baptism of your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we need the fire. We need the fire that comes with it because we need boldness to represent you well. Father, will you forgive us for the times we have not been a good ambassador for you in your kingdom. But, Lord, today we're asking for boldness that we, we represent you well in our workplace, in our homes, in our families, in our extended families, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in the grocery store, the post office, the bank. We want to represent you well. So Lord, give us utterance. Give us words to speak that glorify you. Father, give us the ability to understand that we have the power of life in our tongue. May we speak life. And so, Jesus, this morning, I honor you. I honor you that every time we gather in your name, here you come, here you come, here you are. Every time we praise you, you just build a throne on that and enthrone yourself on our praises, and here you are. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are not bound into a building. You are not bound 
but that you are the God of impossibilities and that you are and you go and you move. And I thank you. And so, Jesus, this morning, I just, I consecrate myself and my life. I consecrate my family. I consecrate my church. Lord, we consecrate ourselves to you again in covenant relationship. And, Lord, we will be solely focused on you. Father, may we shine so brightly that the rest of the world cannot help but look at us and see you because we just represent you that well. Forgive us when we fail, Lord, and help us to see that failure quicker and quicker that we repent quicker and quicker and we grow and mature into the fullness of the man, of the woman that is you, Christ Jesus. How we love you this morning. How we praise you this morning. And I thank you for victory in our homes. I thank you for victory in our cars. I thank you for victory wherever, Lord, we're hearing this word and we're praying this prayer. And we pray all of these things in the powerful and the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen.